You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Hey all, Michael Graham, one of the pastors of the Village Church, and you are listening to Teaching Roundtable Session 3 Recap. And with me is... My name is Scott O'Donohoe, one of the pastors here of the Village. And I'm Kelly O'Donohoe. I help lead some women's stuff in this restaurant. Some women's stuff. <laughs> That's what I went with, guys. <laughs> That's good. We're debating what, what, how she should introduce herself before the podcast started. It's going to be so, different every month. Stay tuned. <clears throat> so women's stuff. She does women's stuff. <laughs> well, Kelly, go for it. Ask us stuff. All right. This month at the round table, we talked about teaching with unity and a frame. So to kick us off, I'd love for each of you to tell us what that means and what your favorite. We talked about at least four different analogies on Sunday, and I'm sure there's more. So Tell us what it means to teach with unity in a frame, and what is your favorite analogy to help us understand the concept? Uh, so I would say, one, it's it's a a concept that we've talked a lot about around the village for the last as many years as we've been talking about preaching stuff, kind of teaching stuff formally. <clears throat> for me, it's been a reaction, uh, a tool to help to help just kind of get some handles on things is what I would normally say. But really, it's a tool to help us keep um, word-contoured sermons and word-contoured teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that sense, the unity piece, and we'll tease all this stuff out probably, but the unity piece is to keep the main thing the main thing mm-hmm. in any text that we're talking about. But then the organization and structure piece, which is, that's my passion, right? <laughs> <laughs> in all the things. Um, and so uh, is, is like, man, it's just, it, it helps... It helps the, the teacher navigate the mountain that you're trying to descend, and it helps the hearers do the same thing. Um, in the roundtable on Sunday, Scott mentioned like the idea of, like, oh, this can look different, and so we are not saying that everything has to look a certain way. Um, but if your response is like, well, Chandler did this, Matt, Matt Chandler, mm-hmm. or like, well, Tim Keller, like, my first response would be like, no one in any room that we're in is Matt Chandler. <laughs> so use a frame <laughs> to help yeah, to help yourself yeah. or to help the people hear better, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then I, I guess the, if I just have to choose one you have to choose favorite one. Uh, analogy. One. I think I would say book, um, chapters, headings. And it can chunk out a couple ways. Um, you can think about that. Like for, for me, a sermon series could be like a volume of books um, <laughs> or it could be a book. Um, but the point is, no one writes a book without a title, without a sub like mm-hmm. thrust, and no one writes a book without chapters. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why, because one, it would be really hard to organize thoughts that way, and it would be really hard to like glean thoughts that way. Mm-hmm. And so chapters just help break it up into like digestible chunks, and they create space for you to put that content in a way that the hearer can see a little better. And the book title is probably like the main idea of yep. what you're going at. So Yeah, that's good. <clears throat> yeah, for me, unity, uh, it, it just, there, what you're talking about, it's about something and it's not about everything. <clears throat> that's kind of how I would simply put it. Like, And you want to be able to communicate what that something is. Um, my favorite analogy is probably the one that I know it's you don't own it and you didn't come up with it, but I really <laughs> like the idea of... Um, of, you know, it's, it's one thing to try to catch a bunch of sand. It's another thing to catch a softball, you know, or baseball. Like, mm-hmm. it's much easier to catch a softball than it is for anybody to try to catch a handful of sand. And so when we talk about unity and its importance to teaching in order for, like we've talked about before, um, as we think about our hearers, in order for the people who are hearing us teach to receive it, um, man, we need to give them something that looks more like a softball than it does a handful of sand. <laughs> so they can actually, when when all is said and done and the sermon is over or the, the group conversation is over or the one-on-one conversation is over, they leave with something and they know what it is and it's not just maybe some random stuff, you know, that they gleaned from ramblings that you did, you know, during the time. So, yeah, <clears throat> unity matters because it's like your, your teaching should be about something and not about everything. So... 
Totally agree. Shout out to Adam Hanauer for playing along on Sunday and catching my <laughs> handful of cotton balls that he did not know were cotton balls. And clean team, no worries. No sand was brought into the 210 at any point in time. But we did throw a wiffle ball and a handful of cotton balls. Yeah. And the wiffle ball was a little easier to catch. Yeah. He did catch some of the he cotton balls. He did catch though. some cotton balls. I was impressed. Well, but, that's you know, the thing. People are always going to hear something. Right. That's right. Um, and that was part of the point, right, is you don't get to determine if it's a handful of cotton balls. They might take away the thing that wasn't that important and leave what you were really trying to say left on the floor. So. Yeah. There's nothing more like simultaneously like, oh, that's good. But then on the backside, like, oh, that is that good? Like when someone's like, like after the sermon, they talk about the illustration that you used or the <laughs> yeah. story that you told to like enter or whatever. And like, that's the thing. And it's like, oh, like they were listening. Oh, but did they, <laughs> what, are they going to, are they going to walk away from that, that sermon or whatever? And that's the thing that's in their head, right. you know, and not the, whatever, you get the texts, you know, like people texting, you know, about, I don't know, what was the thing? Uh, Burger King. Uh, I got so a lot of getting Burger message texts about Burger King, <laughs> pictures about Burger want to use that as an illustration of the sermon. It's like, no, that, that's good. I'm hoping you also, what stuck with you is like the other stuff, the Bible stuff. But I like, think you know, did. I think that yeah. illustration helped them understand. It's just thing, funny. But it's it like, it's funny. one of those things. I got yeah. a lot of Burger King texts. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's funny. Um, the one analogy I'm going to say is what I started with on Sunday, and it was a story about me leaving community group with my kids in the car and trying to get out of... Uh, the Dickens neighborhood and knowing that I could make it out at some point but I did not want to look up directions because I'm I just hate to do that because I'm stubborn and so ended up turning around a bunch of cul-de-sacs and poor Ryan McClure was trying to follow me out and then eventually got sick of turning well just the first time the first cul-de-sac he was out and so we just left we had a good laugh about it but the idea of I knew where I was sort of trying to go but at the end of the day I really didn't know how to get there because I was unwilling to look up directions and then no one was going to follow me on my way out, except my poor kids who were stuck in the car with me. So, <laughs> so anyway, I, the I'm, idea of you I'm, need to know where you're going and you know how to get there. I'm stubborn too. That's why I do look up directions. <laughs> Listen, I look them up ahead of time, but I don't want to have to look them up again. So that's why in my head, I think I know where I'm going. How many times have we been in the car, Scott? And I'm like, I know where we are. I know where we're going. I know. I, luckily, I drive separate on community group nights because I have to pick up Andy Simpson. So if you were driving, we would get out. And also, I still swear that Google Maps has not literally saved our marriage because we've been just fine for 14 years, but it's reduced the amount of fights. Scott <laughs> can just true. look up directions and I don't have to say anything. True story. Because I will swear that I know where we're going. Anyways, we're getting off topic. Uh, all right. So before we get more specifically into what it is and how we come up with unity and frame and all of that, I think it'd be helpful to point out the alternative <clears throat> So what are the risks of teaching without unity, without a frame? What might this look like? Or maybe what has it looked like for you or when you've seen someone else teach in the past? We're not throwing anyone under the bus here. Yeah. No, I mean, I think uh, in preaching specifically, um, without a frame, like a couple things. One, you either just kind of get up there and rant like whatever comes to mind you just you just start talking about whatever comes to mind you know or We've whatever you think that, yeah. you know what I mean or you're making me uh, uncomfortable this thing this <laughs> uh, <clears throat> or like and I think this is maybe another ditch but it's very similar is you don't rant like you're thoughtful in it but you end up giving like a running commentary on whatever passage you're preaching from or a uh, a running systematic theology or a biblical theology or whatever and you say that's like kind of the sand throwing the sand at like yeah. you say a lot of things that might be true about a text but you're not actually you're not actually giving people something to hold on to you know that that you know will impact them in some way help disciple them in some way that will bring the word to bear in their life it's just lots of neat stuff that you're saying you know what I mean yeah, yeah. so like that's how it, it can flesh out I think without a frame in some ways no, I think that's great I, I think um, the the movie Napoleon Dynamite I saw in theaters um, it's good kids you should watch that but I'll say like I remember like many times I've described it as like no it's so funny but you could nearly put the scenes in any order and the movie would still be the same yeah. you know what I mean that's true which is what you know I, I like that but like it some people don't because of that and it's like this is just so stupid um, if you could put all of your words in any order, like you're probably missing a bit. Mm-hmm. And I think um, there's a reason why stories unfold with some chronology. Even if they're hopping back and forth, it's because that's helpful for you to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so without like structure, again, you might say lots of really great things, but for the person, like there needs to be a beginning, there needs to be an end. 
you should know that on the front end, and mm-hmm. so should other people. And if you have a couple, you know, spots along the way, like summits along the way to, to kind of camp for a minute, then it's like probably more helpful than just some straight down the mountain, you know, like whatever. Yeah. yeah. I think there's like specific risks are, you know, the scriptures were written, they're living and active and they're meant to expose us, right? To, to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, to convict us in some way, shape or form. And so I think we do a disservice to the word that authors labored over, editors labored over, the spirit inspired to form God's people in a way and keep them for so long. We do a disservice when we just kind of like gloss over it or use it as a, a launching pad to start talking about other random stuff. We do a disservice to that and we, we just we don't use it for what it was intended to do, which was how we see preaching. It's it's not just this authoritative thing, but it's also meant for it's for maturity in Christ. It's part of discipleship. And so if we're just saying whatever comes to mind or making a, a running list of commentary stuff, then we're not really shaping our people. Or uh, on the flip side, we actually are shaping our people, but we're, we're teaching them to approach the word in a way that isn't at all um, uh, transformational in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. It's not prophetic in the sense that, oh, it, it, it reveals to me my sin or, uh, or comforts me in ways that need to be comforted. You know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't do what it's meant to do. We actually teach our folks that the word is something different. Um, and, and so it's not like there's a neutral ground, I think, in here. You'll have the culture of a church either go one way or another way in terms of what they see the word as and what it's supposed to do based on what, what we do when it comes to preaching and stuff. Mm-hmm. I love that one of the resources that we read before um, used the, the phrase commenting on the text versus conveying the truth of the text. And Scott, mm-hmm. you just, I think it was you that just referenced that, or maybe it was Michael, but this running commentary on the text which sounds nice until you compare it to the idea of actually helping people understand what the text meant. I wonder if another risk is almost saying the same thing every time, specifically when it comes to preaching, but maybe even if you're teaching a Bible study or something without a frame that's really anchored to another phrase that came up in the resources was the shape of the text. Mm -hmm. So without a frame that's really anchoring us to the shape of the text, we can kind of just default to the same truth over and over and just say the same thing, which isn't a bad thing to say, but it's really not what the point of the text was, or it's something where you then miss out on what, I mean, the Bible has a lot to say, so we don't need to say the same truth week after week after week unnecessarily, you know? Right. Well, to that end, it would be like, okay, uh, the answer is always Jesus. Right. Uh, well, okay, <laughs> and you can get there, but like what particular part yeah. of the redemption mm-hmm. or, or the good news of Jesus, and that's where, you know, like the, there can be a gap in like superficial yeah. If it's just always some Jesus tag on and it, mm-hmm. it's some, you know, I mean, we've heard it, you know, it, it's always a call to salvation and that's the hope. Yeah. True. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Like, trust Jesus. But the implications of the, the truth and the, the power of the word through the spirit and, and Jesus's work is like, it's granular and, it, mm-hmm. and yes. it exposes us into the, like, as the psalmist says, like, search me and, and know mm-hmm. my heart and know all the ways. And it's like all the the fibers of wickedness in me, you know, and, and so um, the more granular than the more, you know, I guess in that sense, why we're able to like go deep and wide yeah. to, to be transformed. Yep. One note, um, I don't know if this answers your question per se, but I, I did want to say it like, I think there's a huge misconception about what expository preaching is. Hmm. And I say that because I've been, I've, I've uh, taken some shots and, and, like, people think that expository preaching is just saying every word mm-hmm. in in one chat, whatever the chunk is. Just yeah. say all, like, and, and it's not. Like, that. that is not the thing. Or, or like, um, the bringing it to bear piece or to mm-hmm. applying the scripture. That is expository preaching. You know, yeah. it's not just those things. But just to say the things, that is, sh- that's shallow mm-hmm. preaching. And that's not saying that the word is not enough, the word is enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why we as preachers and teachers get to bring it to bear in real ways and not just say things and mm-hmm. call it expository preaching. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. For sure. Yep. Yeah, so uh, teaching with unity means that you have a main point, as you guys have said. And we discussed on Sunday that that main point should come from the text that you're teaching Meaning that we don't get to just determine there's, okay, there's this one phrase or this one word in this text, and so I'm going to take that and run with it, and I'm going to develop a frame and do a whole thing, and that's that's not what teaching with unity means. But it does mean that you have a main point, and that main point comes from the main point of the text that you're teaching. 
but does that mean that each text has only one main point and so you better figure out mm. that exact one and get it right and i said on sunday <laughs> that maybe michael and i disagree about this and i didn't ask you so i'm do we disagree about this michael i, I don't know i, I mean I'll, I'll answer the question <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll i'll be the, the decision maker here i'll call the i'll call it out does each text have only one main point that a teacher should so, hit on so every time I hear that, and, and to be clear, like legit, every preaching book I've ever read, yeah, it literally says that. I mean, it Brian Chapel. I mean, point. it says like yeah, Brian Chapel. Like it's sure. You know, there, there is one like what what is the text of it? It's about one thing. What is this this? And maybe to be fair, that they would say the sermon is about how many things? One thing, which is fair. Okay, I I think where the distinction comes, and and I I think I would say a high percentage. So. So to sit with you for a second, Kelly, that, that, makes, that, that makes me like not uncomfortable. It's like, ah, is it? Is it about one thing? And, and here's where I'll like uh, answer but not answer. How about that? So, so I think a high percentage of thoughtful teachers would derive the same landing point when they look mm-hmm. at the same, a, a similar text, which I think is, is fair. Um, there's lots that can go wrong when you do take, yeah. okay, so this person, this person preached on uh, these three words of this larger kind mm-hmm. of chunk. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I think there is a, t- like you can emphasize something different yeah. in the same text. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that means that you're being biblically unfaithful. Yeah. And so it's hard for me to say that, you know, every chunk of the Bible has one meaning because of, of the chunking. And this is like, a, Scott and I spent, what, a couple hours this week yeah. looking at Exodus mm-hmm. and saying, how are we chunking this out? And what I mean by that is just what, what text are we preaching on what days, yeah. right? There's no answer to that. Mm-hmm. And so if you preach on five chapters in one day or you preach on mm-hmm. five verses or you preach on four words, mm-hmm. the emphasis is going to be different. And I, I don't think that that's you being biblically unfaithful. Right. Absolutely. But I will say I had a little clarity around this. And I, yeah. think, it's, I think what they're getting at when they say that is the idea of an exegetical outline versus a homiletic outline. Mm-hmm. And I know that's okay. super technical. And so yeah, the much. exegetical piece is like we get to exegete the text, right? We get to open the Bible and see what's there and see what the original author intended in the original context. And we get to uh, make, say, say if we all had the same 10 verses, then we would get to basically observe what's there. That's what the exegetical outline is. And we should probably all land, and it would would largely look the same if we did the same amount of work. The homiletic outline, which is like the preaching outline. Remember, homiletics is the art of preaching. Okay. It's not the science. Okay. And so I think there gives some discretion to, like like I said, emphasize a particular element or whatever. And so I, I say yes and no. Uh, but I think for me that that difference is like if we looked at a text together and we outlined it by observation of what's there. It would it would look pretty it would look pretty similar, mm-hmm. um, but in the way that we map that out and frame it in a teaching context, a sermon, whatever, it can look widely different. But I think you're going to get the same element in essence. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I'll ask the questions now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just so funny to talk about this because. I come into this knowing, like, I don't, I don't, you guys do this for a living, okay? You've been studying a lot longer than me, and so I say that, you know, everything I say sounds more confident than I really mean it to, but <laughs> I, I think that there could be more, I think in teaching, I get what you're saying, so I think in a text, we don't get to determine what the author meant, we get to discover what the author meant, we talked about that on Sunday, but in our discovery, I think we can find that the author was saying more than one thing. An example that comes to mind, I don't have a specific example, but, you know, when Old Testament prophecy is often about real nations and people and leaders and also future metaphoric end times like there are several points in the bible where the author is talking about two things just in prophecy right is that true mm-hmm. so even in that like what why are you laughing no. <laughs> i need to know what you're, what you're thinking oh and i kind of hate this is like off the cuff on being recorded but so in my mind like you already there are two things there that the author is saying and if we are in your when you're teaching something if you have to pick an emphasis and go with it because we are we cannot and we are not trying to say all of the things every time it seems like two faithful expositors could emphasize different things from that text and teach them and I also we talked about on Sunday 
I think it depends on who you're teaching to. And so maybe, I don't know if there's a difference between preaching versus teaching in this conversation. Like my brain goes to teaching and not preaching. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if that makes it any different. Although I don't think it does. Because in my head, I'm thinking like our church, the village church in suburban Hamilton, Ohio, looks very different than a church in Mexico or Guatemala or even California, you know, all the different places around the globe. And so as pastors, when you guys are shepherding this church, you know the needs and the stories of the people that are sitting in front of you. And Mm -hmm. that might, again, that doesn't change what the text says, but that should influence how you teach it, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm Again, I'm thinking off the cuff here, but it seems to me like, especially in... If so if I'm teaching a group of women, I can say different things than if you're talking to a group of men and women and children. And so that might that might make it different what I emphasize, make it different. That might yeah. change what I emphasize from the text. And I think that that can be done in a way that remains faithful to the intent of the author because it's not yeah. imposing a meaning on the text, but I think it can emphasize or highlight or even just say it differently yeah. based on who's in front of you. What do you think, Scott? No, I think that's fair. I mean, I think... You know, preaching in one congregation versus another or leading one community group versus another community group or meeting up with one person versus another person talking about the same book or the same study. Like, there might be different things that come to mind that you want to share with those pockets of people or that person or that group based on what you know about where they're at or what they think, what their idols are, what they uh, really love, what their hurts and suffering, like all those things. Like, you need to bring that stuff to bear in a way that, is just as faithful to the scriptures, but it might just land in a different spot. You might affirm someone uh, or be encouraging one thing, and you might be rebuking someone, <laughs> another group of people, with the same thing, you know? So I don't think it, uh, I think what that is describing is more like just contextualize, bring it to bear on a specific group of people or persons, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that can absolutely change what we then deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would say, obviously, like there is. Every sermon should have like an idea, yes. but I do think that the scriptures, um, yeah. Well, let me make this very clear: there are wrong meanings. Like yes. you can, th- there are some things you can say and be like, "Nope, that ain't what they meant," right. <laughs> you know. Um, and sometimes it does come to prophecy or people talking to Old Testament stuff, and we want to take that and say, "Oh, well, if only America would repent and all these things, and God would come back and restore it." Like. No, that's talking about Israel. Yeah. <laughs> it's not for us today. Um, you know, so there are some wrong meanings that we can glean from passages for sure. And I also think, you know, where we're at right now with Exodus, you know, like there are you know, preaching on four or five, you know, words, oh uh, one, one command, and that has just in and of itself meaning. But then you like zoom out a little bit. Okay, like it's not just talking about us individually. It's talking about us in a covenant community, God's people in a covenant community, that playing out there. Oh, but that's also part of a greater covenant that God's making with his people that have covenant implications, relational implications with God's people and the Lord. Um, and then you have Jesus, like, referring back to that stuff later in the... So, like, there's there are layers to even what's going on in one little verse. Um, and a- another example would be looking at, you know, uh, to your point... Preachers are folks that might hone in on a verse. I think of John Piper, who, you know, could spend forever, preach three sermons on one verse in Romans, <laughs> you know. But and, and that's fine. And you could burrow into what what that verse means. And I also know that uh, the person that, that traveled to Rome with Paul's letter, he unrolled the scroll and he read the whole dang thing. Mm-hmm. And so that would have meaning, you know, in some way too that that wasn't probably broke down into all the stuff that, that John Piper would. Um, and yet both, I think, are equally true. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah, there, there's lots of going, there's lots of stuff going on in a text when anybody is writing anything. You know, there's, um, kind of jotted down in my notes, like, there are, uh, every passage has, like, a place or a, a fitness within a greater whole. Um, but then, like, every author's trying to say something, but he's even, in, in, in trying to communicate something, the authors of the text are also... They're standing on the ground, the grounds of other things, mm-hmm. you know, other theology, belief, whatever, you know, culture. And so they're standing on other things to say something else. And so we can sometimes draw out what those things are standing on is subpoints or however you'd want to, you know, supporting statements or whatever you'd want to call those things. But yeah, there's, there's just a lot. There can be a lot there. And so meaning, um, I, I think it can be layered. I don't think they ever contradict each other. 
Um, and you could definitely draw out some wrong meanings of text, but yeah. I don't know. That's that's my thought on it anyway. Thoughts on it. <clears throat> Is there one meaning from a text in the way that you asked the question? Would you say yes or no? Uh, I would I would say no, and there are wrong meanings. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what I would say. Very yeah. simply. Yeah, I I would. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think we all said kind of the same thing. Yeah. In the sense that, like, I hope so. yeah, no, I mean, Here, it, I would say the the right meaning is what the author intended to say. But can an author be saying more than one thing? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. Okay. Like, that's my point. They're the communicating saying more than one thing. They could be communicating that that author could be trying to get across one thing and also drawing from these other things to communicate that. And so there are many things being said. While there might also be one, a couple of desired impacts, maybe that they're wanting to have on that community. You know what I mean? And so, like, it, there's tease out stuff from that. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, and I will. I'll say this in preaching. I, I whether or not I believe that to be true, I know at times, like I want everything to be unified, and I want things to tuck under other things, and mm-hmm. I want, you know, the three points to like firm up the main thrust of whatever. But I know that there are things that aren't just tangents, but like, gosh. While we're talking about this, he hits on this, mm-hmm. and like just to bring this to bear, just for a second, um, I know I know I do that, and and I think that's okay because the writer did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. And you can like I, I have on here like the word pace, which is really about the chunks, which yes. is really yeah, and and that's different than a one to one. Like you said, you brought up like the application of something. The mm-hmm. word is living and active, mm-hmm. which means it might be a tiny sliver of. Paul's goodbye that that brings comfort to somebody mm-hmm. that yeah. in the in the moment it was he was literally saying goodbye. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so like <clears throat> right. whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, so I know this is a whole other <laughs> thing, but I think it's worth saying is so there's a there's there's probably other words for this, maybe even a more technical phrase, but like uh, perspective hermeneutics or whatever that would say like that uh, we don't we can't understand the full meaning of a text unless we listen to Someone who is wealthy and poor and white and black and from this place and from that place and over here and over there and male and female and all that. Like that there's some like kind of captured hidden meaning that each kind of person like sort of has behind a gate. And they're the ones who will be able to see that most clearly. And we really can't know what a a text means until we listen to this person over here and that person over there and that person over there and that that person over there. And what I just want to say is like that's... That's basically gatekeeping, being able to understand the meaning of a text behind social, cultural, ethnic boundary, which is not at all like that's a it's a form of Gnosticism in some way. That's like ah, this knowledge is somehow kept or hidden from us uh, in some way, shape, or form. Um, the 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 job of any teacher or preacher is to understand that yeah, like there's culture and all sorts of stuff that influences the meaning of a text and it's not any of our modern ones. We can right. we interpret it and filter it through a certain way. It's the the culture of the original author. <laughs> like that that's what we get which to try to understand. Which none of us live in. And so the work of anybody, you know, black, white, rich, poor, wherever we're from, like the our job is to to try to be mindful, certainly, of how our culture might filter and and you know, twist and turn the way that we might understand things on a surface level. But then to dig into, but what what did this mean back then to those people? Which is something that we've said, you know, a million times in talking about teaching and preaching. We have to know what it meant mm-hmm. in order to know what it means, right? And so, again, like, I, I think that's an important thing to say. We're not saying that, like, even in a discussion of, ah, maybe there's layered meanings and stuff like that. It's not, there, there's no gatekeeper behind ethnicity, gender, you know, right, any of those things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? Is that fair? I'll add one more uh, line to that gatekeeping, like the the original author and the Holy Spirit and whatever capacity he is actively involved in the text, wherever it meets anyone, is the one who determines like what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then everyone else. I mean, we would say the, the same thing of prophecy. Well, the prophecy can be whatever, but the interpretation of that might be. Like you, you might be mm-hmm. off, and we see that in the Bible right. happen, yeah. you know, and and then um, and so when I hear a pastor, and, and if you're my friend and you say this, that's fine. I I, I would never say this, right? <laughs> like, uh, come Sunday, like God gave me a word, I just can't wait to hear. It. I I just can't wait to share it with you. And I, I mean, I've heard that in some really bad context, mm-hmm. but like, 
it's like, oh my gosh, like, are you, are you opening the Bible? Is the Bible the word or is like, <laughs> yeah. what is this? Like that, is, that, that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And so like, man, I am yeah. subject to failure. Sure. I, I have, I have gotten it wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We have gotten it wrong. We will get it wrong. And it's still the Holy Spirit's work to, to build up his church through clumsy me, you know? Absolutely. Not, I, we were trying to work in a shout out to Bailey. Oh yeah. Fowler. Hey, Bailey. And so, no, hey, yeah, so like <laughs> Bailey, this is, this is your shout out. Um, I was talking to her, uh, the other day and, um, talking about revelation and listening to a series or whatever. And just even like this idea came up that even looking at revelation and what is going to happen, you know, down the road and talking about when will, uh, when will like these people stop being slaughtered? When will God's people, when will we stop being martyred or whatever, killed for the faith, that kind of stuff. And it's like, we in our like American context are like, yeah, gosh, we're going down that road and the, the time's coming, the time's coming. And we pretend like it's a future reality oh my goodness. that, that isn't a current present reality for people all over the world today. How many thousands of people died because of their, their belief in Jesus last year. And so like, even like just being aware of the fact that while yes, like uh, the truth, God is not is not gatekeeping that behind you know nationality or ethnicity or gender or any of those things at all. Like it is helpful for sure to like get out of uh, maybe our cultural lenses and just hear from people like from different places or from from different walks of life speak to this thing because it is just so easy for us to approach even Revelation, and say, yep, that day's coming, when in reality the global church yeah. is saying this day is already here. Mm-hmm. We've been living in this for a really long time. Mm-hmm. you know. And so I think yeah, to that point of like the, the other ditch on the side of the road is not saying, well, we don't care about listening to any different voices. No, like mm-hmm. we, we absolutely should. And, and all of those things get to help us be more mindful, better preachers, teachers, understanders of God's word. So I worked it in. What's up, Bailey? Hey, Bailey. All right, we got to pick it up. Go, go, go. I don't even know where are we. Uh, yeah. All right. We have a frame for the conversation, but the frame even, we just ditched it, threw it away. My, my Part head two. is like imploding, and I'm trying to bring it back together. Do, do you want to say stuff I want to say nothing else. <laughs> I'm like tiptoeing into saying something stupid that I don't mean to. So, um, Okay, so once we know our main point... And just to, okay, see, I already said something stupid. I agree with everything you both just said. Yeah. So I'm not, there's nothing I'm holding back that I'm afraid okay. to say. I just don't want to say something that I don't mean to say, okay. as so often happens. All right. All right. So once we know our main point, we can start to build a frame for our teaching. But how do we actually go about doing that? So you guys want to share how you actually do this. And may, I think it'd be helpful. So this, we pointed this out on Sunday too. We had some exercises. We practiced this. And it's so obnoxious to sit next to you two and have you do it and then try to do it myself because, as we all pointed out, you guys have been practicing this for a while. So tell us today how you get to that frame. But if you want to, it might be even be helpful to share kind of your progression and what that looked like and how it's come along. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's not math. That's really important. Okay. There is not like a plug and play, and this is really tough. Mm-hmm. Like, I say that all the time. Whenever we're together, we talk about it. Um, it's work. It's, you know, it's toil, as Paul calls it. Um, but I, I think, uh, one, I don't sit down and read something and write out the perfect main idea and say, all right, well, let me, it just doesn't happen that way. It is, you know, there's, there's the art piece of it, but like, I mean, and so I think if I could boil it down as simply as possible, it would be kind of the balance of this perpetual, uh, trajectory, discovery, and clarity. And so it's like you read something, you get a feel for it. Okay, you might read it in a couple different translations. Okay, I, I think I know what's here. Mm-hmm. And so there's like this, all right. And maybe at that point, it's like, ah, I kind of know where this is going to go. But gosh, it's like, you know, we got we to get the uh, building materials. Then we have to start building. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's kind of what it feels like every week or whatever. So trajectory, you read it, you kind of get an idea. Discovery, what's there? Clarity. For me, I would I just write it out in in several ways. What is actually here? And so I'm just observing and trying to declare what's there. Um, write the gist. Write it out. Make it simpler. It's too long. Make it simpler. Use less confusing words. Make it simpler. Um, and I'm just kind of like writing out. And then. Um, 
And then really, I think this is helpful, um, whatever that main idea is, and it's not in its completed form at that point, what are the things that you observed that led you to declare that as the main idea? Because those are going to be your sub points, Mm -hmm. right? Those are going to be the things on which Whatever, I mean, you said this is the main idea for a reason, mm-hmm. So, but why did you say that? Yeah, well, well that? I could point to three things, you know, this, 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 or whatever. And so let's, okay, well, let's look at it. And then those become, again, the same thing. You write it, I think this is it, and it might, it might change form, you know, 30 times in scribbles on a piece of paper. But really, if I could just boil it down, it's observe, declare, declare it, declare it, declare it. If I can get it to alliterate, you know, we'll talk about that. Or if I can get it to do something that's, like, helpful, that's great. But really, I'm just declaring what's there. And as I keep saying, uh, main idea is a universal truth. It was true for them. Mm-hmm. They would understand it, and it's true for you. Wow, that's, like, the sweet spot. The subpoints, de- like, observe it, write it out. For me, it would be, like, I write, like, a hashtag. What, how would I hashtag this little chunk? And let's take a narrative... For example, because sometimes it unfolds in ways that are helpful. Um, Three chunks that really build the case for what's going on here. Hashtag, like, what would I title this little section here? Right, what would I title this section? And again, in a universal truth, not so granular that it only makes sense for those with the named Abraham in the room. Yeah. And not so far out that it's like, just doesn't even help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so where is that layer of, like, observe declare, and then you can begin to connect it. And so you have this main idea, and I'll save this for tension stuff next time, mm-hmm. but a main idea that, that you set up with an intro that gets us to a place, and then after you declare that main idea, it unfolds in, let's say, three points. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to. <laughs> three points that somehow build up the, the case for the, the main idea, and you have a conclusion, and in there you probably have a Christ component and all kinds of things along the way or whatever. And so uh, I could talk forever, but maybe that's where I'll stop. Yeah, that's, that's good. good. Yeah, for me, uh, read the text. Usually, I, you know, if it's a, a good chunk, I'll print it off and just scribble, you know, mm-hmm. which I know you do too. Uh, just digitally, Michael, on your <laughs> on your tablet, uh, scribble around on it or whatever. Just, to sc- just try to discover and explore what's there already, and then I'll research. Um, so I'll dig in, and I at this point, like I, I feel like I used to just endlessly go forever, like trying to find all the information about everything around a passage. I feel like I've been able to narrow down to some like trusted sources that I I go to um, on a regular basis, and then depending on what the topic is or what the book is or whatever, I might go to a, some other ones too that I trust on that particular thing. But go there and just try to figure out like how like how is this like what's going on here? What did this mean originally to? The folks that were hearing it, the folks that were writing it. So I try to get my head uh, around that stuff. And then, um, all right, once I know that, like, how do I relate that? If I know what it meant, how do I relate that to today? Um, so what is the, what was the context that, you know, was being spoken into there? What is a, what would be, you know, you throw it in a time machine and uh, bring it to 2020. What's the, what's a similar context here today that really gets at the same heart of what they were trying to communicate then? Um, so yeah, so what's that context? What's the, what's the message that's being delivered? Um, all those things, certainly in light of the gospel, especially if it's in old Testament stuff, how do we, you know, make Jesus seen there? And, and I'll save some of this for the tension stuff too, but I think looking at, um, at like, what's the, the real problem versus what are some like, uh, false problems that we, we think that this is the real problem here when in reality, like the scriptures would point to something else. And the same thing for the solution as well is like, what are, the false solutions that like we might assume are there and instead of like what's the real solution found in the gospel that we get to unpack together. So look at those things and then really it's just refining at that point, um, trying to figure out the the points. Like this is, if I understand what it meant, what it means, can relate that, understand the gospel implication and how, how this passage gets to impact the people of the village, then it just becomes refining down to how do I say that in a simple way with a main idea and then yeah, two, three, four points, whatever, um, as like stepping stones to kind of get to um, that main idea. So that's, it, it's it's a living thing. Like it's a living document for a long time, usually leading up until <laughs> Saturday, sometimes Sunday morning, <laughs> like refining that, uh, that you know, just a, a little bit more. Um, 
uh, yeah, but it's a it's a process. Same thing that Michael said. It's tough. It's hard. It's it, there's no science to it. It's a bit of an art, but over time, you know, I feel like I've kind of settled in at least to a, a bit of a rhythm for me, anyways. Yeah. With how I go about that, so I think that's helpful to hear, and it's just helpful to be reminded that it's work, and it I have found, and again, I'm still very new to it, but just doing it is what is helping me be better at doing it. And yeah. So I don't. I don't even know that it's something you can conceptually explain and then someone can just go be good at it tomorrow, but it seems like it takes work mm-hmm. and practice like most good things. That's mm-hmm. like, yeah. And so that's just helpful to know that even that's still true for you guys today. Yeah. Uh, we didn't actually get to this on Sunday, but in various teaching things we've done before, I'm pretty sure we talked about it in the preaching cohort. Um, there are some ways that I'm going to say we fancy up our frames. I like that term. Um, and so one of them, you already said alliteration is one of them. I'm sure everyone has heard a sermon that has three subpoints, and they all start with A or something. Um, so is the point of that just to sound impressive or cute on a Sunday, or is there an actual helpful component to that? And obviously I'm asking this in a goofy way because it's helpful. And so can Michael specifically just want to talk about um, why that's helpful? <laughs> Not why you that. <laughs> no, I'm just curious what he's going to say. Well, <clears throat> how do you bedazzle your those? sermons? What are those, and why is it helpful? Yeah, yeah I'll say uh, they're... Those have been things, again, like I have a, I don't have an MDiv, I have a Master's of Arts in Theology, I think is what it, they changed the name of it after I graduated, but, um, <laughs> but so I never had like any preaching classes or whatever, and so I know that these are things that I can imagine people talking about, I remember my pastor like saying, this is how you do it, like, it's like, okay, like, but it seems, you know, forced or whatever, and so it was like, ah. Uh, but I think over time, a lot of this it has been, it's been hard because I didn't have that on the front end, but it's been like helpful to discover these are help, you know, like mm-hmm. these are actually helpful things. And so they don't have to be um, the most clever sub points mm-hmm. or whatever, but when they're not, they, it can be, if, it can feel a little disjointed. If they're too long, yeah. people just can't, they don't even know what you're saying. Yeah. You're saying yeah. words, they literally have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> you put them on the screen, they still don't know. Put them in the weekly, they don't know what you're saying. <laughs> And so it's like, okay, so, so really it's a matter of like a, a tool to help the hearer, mm-hmm. certainly to help the preacher, teacher, but to help the hearer. And so just a few things that I have found helpful. Alliteration, sure, if you can make them all sound similar, that's great or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, like the, the memorable piece, um, subject, object, these are things I made up, so I don't know what <laughs> I don't have any examples of these, but subject, object would be... Um, you know, I think this week, uh, truth is that da, 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 da. truth is that da, 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 da. truth mm-hmm. is that. And so it's you keep the same subject and you change the object or vice versa. Yeah. You, you change the front end, but like you have this anchor that you keep coming back to, which is probably found in the main idea. Mm-hmm. Um, questions and answers. Real simple. I mean, that's kind of we talked about the Keller method. And he basically just says, ah, you might have three questions about this. Here are the three questions. And he gives you answers. Like, mm-hmm. really helpful because you're like, hey, I did have three questions. Mm-hmm. Thanks for answering this. Um, Kelly, you and I have talked historically about the, this idea of a chain. It's my favorite. Where you do, I, I'm literally making this up, just dumb words or whatever, like, love is helpful. Uh, then the next line would be, like, helpful is da-da-da. Yeah. And then the, the last word of... yeah. The previous thing would be the first word of the... I used it example? in Rooted. Yeah, I have my own example okay. that right. I was really it? proud of. From Rooted, we talked about the history of the New Testament. And so we determined that God God is a better ruler. I'm, this is off the top of my head, but I think it was God is a better ruler, God's rule is a better plan, and God's plan is worth our lives. Mm-hmm. Which is like really, again, to your piece, is this just being fancy? No, that's an arc. Mm-hmm. That you're, that's a, a journey that you're bringing people mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And they can like go, I'm going from here mm-hmm. to here, and then I stop. Uh-huh. And then I eat. <laughs> and then I go from here to here, and then I stop and eat again, and I yeah. go from here to here. And, like, we have eaten a whole meal, and look where we've traveled. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a sweet thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes that's tough. And um, But if you just have three random statements that aren't tied to the main idea, you probably don't have unity within what you're saying. I feel the yeah. same. Or folks won't be able to see that there's unity. Uh-huh. Even if you get it, like, it uh-huh. might be hard for folks to receive that in a way. Which is, I think, super helpful to even... Uh, you know, again, talking about like the meaning of a text, being bound by scripture for sure, being bound by the text. But like what we're talking about in terms of frame and punching it up and, you know, all that stuff, it's like 
that's a that those are means of communication. That's bound by culture, right? And yeah. so we're talking about things that maybe in some traditions they're like, that's whack. That's super corny. <laughs> that is Don't do that. That yeah, that's horrible. You know, like when you go preaching Guatemala, I have no idea what like I, I don't know what like what preaches, you know, Guatemala, what preaches in Guatemala. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like I don't know other members. Ethnic. But like but there are yeah, there are cultural linguistic, you know, stuff that in in different pockets in different neighborhoods here. Like, I mean, might speak to might be heard or received better than in other places. And so even what we're talking about, I think the way that we are discussing frames and propositions and all that stuff, like that's that's stuff that I think is well received. It's a to use your meal analogy, it's food that goes down easy, you know? Mm-hmm, like it's something sure. that's received well. I, the only thing I would I would like have to contribute to that stuff um, is I think the main idea, this is something I, I try to do, I'm sure I'm not done every time, but I think it's important to make the main idea like the active piece and the hero of the main idea, God or the gospel yeah. or whatever. Because like if it's if it's just a statement and what the main idea is something that I do or just something that is existing out there somewhere, but it's not like it's not this is what God does for me or this is how he frees me to do something or empowers me to do something because of sin or suffering or what have you. Like I, for me, I, I might walk away with something different. And so I, I try to get my main point down to something where I can land the plane of mm-hmm. the sermon and it's, it's the thing I want to declare. It's what I want people to know is that God frees us from this. In, in the gospel, he accomplishes this. And so that's the only thing I would, I would encourage um, with main ideas is to, to try to make God the gospel, the hero mm-hmm. of, of your main idea, the active part of it, you know. What's the quote in your office? I think it's about writing, but the thing about saying oh. things simply. Yeah, it's a uh, Einstein quote, which uh, I ironically don't know, but it's basically Sorry, like I if didn't... you if you can't say it simply, then you don't understand it good enough. Yes, um, that's that, the idea. It made me think of that because this. So I have been the one assigning the chat, like the months to who's leading the roundtable, and I gave myself this month on purpose, not because I feel. Um, especially competent in this area, but because it has been one of the most helpful things to me as a person trying to grow in my ability to teach. It's been one of the most helpful things um, and my being able to communicate something that I've learned. And so I think part of it, like in the terms of fancying up, or I love that I love that you said punching up the thing and I said fancy. This feels like... Bedazzled. Bedazzled. You did say yeah, bedazzled. bedazzled. Um, I would anyway. say create glamour <laughs> shot. At <this. laughs> I still like fancy up. But anyways, um, I like that it it does take a little extra thought effort and it forces me to be able to say it in a way that seems more simple. And maybe you could say the opposite because fancy up doesn't sound simple, but it is. Like you, to what you guys said, you could just say three statements. But if I have to think about it long enough to make those statements fit together in a way that's a little more clear, it forces me as the teacher to be able to really understand not just what I'm trying to teach, but how they fit together. Mm-hmm. And so I do think it's easier for hearers to follow when you have something that sounds like it goes together. But for me, at least as someone trying to grow, it forces me to better understand the message that I'm trying to communicate. And yeah. so I, I generally don't think it's just for fun. I, I think it's, and we're all agreeing on that. Yeah. It yeah. is really helpful. I mean, gosh, we could talk about all these forever. Um, <laughs> No one should say, like, huh? Like, how did that person mm-hmm. get there? Yeah. And people might say, uh, man, gosh, I don't know how you do it. You know, like, I, I just wouldn't. But it's like, well, it's like, you should be able to. Yeah. Like, we're not trying to create things that <laughs> yeah. aren't there. Right. Yeah. That's really important uh, in this particular element of this conversation. Yeah. So people should not say, huh? But, like, f- like one helpful thing is, I think, Brian Chapel, you, you mentioned it. If the main idea is a chair, and again, all these things are being refined throughout the process. You might declare main idea, and you get two legs of the stool. This week, I was like, ah, oh, writing the things, whatever, and I like the sound of that, and this works. I think I can articulate that, and that fits under there. And then, like by the time I wrote the third, it's like uh, the third point while I was trying to declare it, it was basically the main idea. I was like, mm. crap. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay. Because then it's, do you have a, do you have a chair as a leg? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so like, okay, you don't want it to be redundant. And so mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so then you either have to zoom out. The other thing to your point, mm-hmm. Scott, um, God being the central, and so we've been preaching t- Ten Commandments for nine weeks. And so it's real easy for them to say the same, God is da da da, or yeah. you said the word empower and, you know. Free, yeah. A yeah. Free, reveal. Yeah. I, I bet if you look back to my main ideas over the past 
Like so, and so now yeah. I'm like, okay, I don't want to like, and this is just this is how it works. I, I'm going to try not to use the word empower because I've used it a hundred. Mm-hmm. And so then it's like, so it might be helpful again for me to maybe change the perspective mm-hmm. from well, God's people. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 yeah. da, da. This past week, I said in God's city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, it was the same thing. Yep. But it was like, okay, how can I say that in a different way and then kind of shine light in a little different perspective? So it is tough, but fun. And that stuff matters. I genuinely think it, to use the food analogy, I think it does help it go down. Yeah, for sure. And that's a, it's not a, it's not a flashy, superficial, like it's a biblical, it's a biblical thing. I have a Bible backgrounds commentary and like just reading through the epistles or in Acts, when Paul's given speech, and other people are too, like it is remarkable, like how over and over and over and over again, like folks commenting on like the rhetorical style of the day yeah. and how Paul is borrowing this or speaking in this way, or he kind of there's usually a little bit of flattery, you know, here or kind of speaks to this thing because this was like the courteous thing, you know, like those sorts of things. It's not a like, it, yeah, it, that, it's not like a, a showy thing. It can be sure. right. You can use it in a way that's just flashy and meant to sound cool or clever, hip or yeah. clever or whatever. Like that's, but that's not the point. The point is again to like help people hear it. Yeah. And so, man, it, it's not a, a bad or showy thing to want to make it something that's appetizing and yeah. easy to go down. You know. And Last thing I'll say. Oh, good. I just said, and something people can remember. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, you think of a song, mm-hmm. verses, chorus, chorus repeats. Mm-hmm. If you're teaching, repeat the main idea. And yeah. so, sometimes I yeah. tuck it in at the end of every point. I couch it in the main idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the, the people know, yeah. and and so it's like, and and you, I, I know when you're saying it, you're like, okay, I know that everyone knows that I've already said this three mm-hmm. times, but that's okay. Like, forget what they're thinking, because we sing choruses. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the point. Right. If you just sang the chorus one time, it wouldn't be a chorus. But also <laughs> the Bible does that when you're studying. Right. That's one of the things you're supposed to do: is circle repeating words and ideas. Because if the author said it more than once, that's that's probably one of the things they want you to take probably away. Important. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. It's good. All right. I know we are. We're so close on <laughs> going over time. The, I do want to talk about this. So most of the resources that I found on this topic were specifically geared towards sermon prep and preaching. That's a lot of what we talked about today. But most of our roundtable and probably most of the people listening to this podcast are not preachers. So how can this idea of a frame, it's not just for preaching. And how can how can it benefit other kinds of teaching? What were some examples that people gave on Sunday? Yeah. I think this is important to talk about. Uh, I'll speak to the group stuff because I've um, I put out some stuff to group leaders about this and I, it's been helpful for me. Um, again, this is an art versus science, but I think ditches on either side of the road is like when it comes to framing or whatever. You can you can approach a like leading a, a group conversation, facilitating some discussion, and just kind of say, "Yeah, what do you guys think about that?" And you just sort of float, and you have no idea where you're going. You have no idea what what goal. What what do you want to send people out with? Like. And you don't have any idea, and you might have some. You might have some great conversation in that, but you're not, you're not going anywhere. It's not yeah. purpose. Like you don't have a purpose um, at all for that night. The other dish would be uh, that you have you have a very linear progression, like mm-hmm. and and you are so you are quote unquote so purposed mm-hmm. <laughs> in where you want to go that it is literally like you you have to go in sequence with this qu- and you're really just asking questions to get a certain answer so you can move on to the next question and everybody knows it and yeah and, and at that point it's no longer a conversation mm-hmm. right it's just a, it's an it's an exercise of fill in the blanks is kind of what it is mm-hmm. um, and yeah and, and that's neither one of those are necess- are very helpful on an ongoing basis um, and so I I try to the, the picture in my head is like a you have a few anchors um, in your conversation, you drop it, drop a, a few anchors in the lake or whatever, and you your conversation might kind of like revolve around one for a bit and another for a bit. But or you can kind of like introduce questions or topic or whatever about a specific idea, and you can be sort of fluid in the conversation as it goes different places. But you have some ideas in advance of, all right, from this focal passage that we're talking about. Um, there are there might be three things or something that you want to come to bear on your folks. Um, theology could be a, something we're supposed to believe. It could be something that we're called to do, a way that we're supposed to live or a way that we're supposed to worship or what do we learn about Jesus. And like anchor some of those things in your brain, write them down. Um, 
but then like as you're exploring the text together in conversation, you can have those ideas there and maybe some questions around those things that, hey, I'm glad you brought that up. Like, let's talk about that for a minute, um, you know, and ask a couple questions around those. You know what I mean? And so like it can be purposeful and then and then know how you want that to land. So there's a there's kind of an in-between. It's an art, you know, yeah. but there is, I think there's a, a there's prep that goes into that as well, that if you get it, if you understand the text or some, some big ideas that you want to hit on, and have a few questions around that and how it might land for some folks. Like you can, you can navigate a conversation without just being loosey-goosey to the point of being unhelpful or unpurposeful and without having to be like super linear in the way your conversations flow. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's yep. a thought. I can say a bunch about that, I think, <laughs> but I, I, won't, I would just say have a, have a beginning and have an end. Mm-hmm. And to the point, I think last time we talked about transformation, like, man, in most instances, make sure that you know how Jesus informs the, the conversation. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and what you would like to see people, like how, how you'd like to see them live changed mm-hmm. because of the text. Because I don't think in most of our context, like we're talking about around here, that we're just trying to let people know some neat stuff. Right. right. So, yeah. so what? Like yeah. answer the so what. And, and if you can get there on the front end with some questions that are, helpful or, or like, oh, like that kind of in, intrigues me a little bit or, or whatever. Or you can say, hey, look, what do you see here in the Bible? But, but mm-hmm. there better be a, no, not there better be, there should be yeah. a transition to where you say, okay, based on what we're saying here, there seems to, so yeah, and then you're able yeah. to hit on the, the things that you had noticed in advance. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you're able to like take people somewhere mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the text, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'd say the same thing with one-on-one conversations too. Like very similar. Like mm-hmm. if you're doing a book study with someone or reading through a study guide or just meeting up, like like take five minutes and after you've read the chapter or just before, sometime before you get together, think of three or four questions that you want to ask the person. Mm-hmm. Like pray for them. Ask, you know, the spirit to help you, you know, like guide that conversation in a way. What what do you want to talk about? What do you want to get? The, the so what question I think mm-hmm. is so helpful especially if you're doing a study. Sometimes it's easy to answer the, the study guide questions or just read a thing and comment on it as you're reading it. Like, mm-hmm. but so what? You know, mm-hmm. I think that's really helpful for those conversations. Yeah. For me as a person who just always wants to say too many things when I'm teaching, this idea of frame helps me in one-to-one reading with friends or when I'm teaching a topical, you know, series through Rooted. It just helps me to anchor. And I think Adam Hanauer said this as one of the implications even on Sundays that it affects your editing process, which mm-hmm. is a, a roundtable for another month. But... For me, this is what helps me not say all the things. And certainly, if you've been to Rooted, I've done it. And <laughs> if you were there and that's what I did, I'm sorry. But I always want to throw the sand. And this helps me anchor myself, even if it, like even if it's just one-to-one reading. I'm not going to frame out a chapter of the Bible to read it with one friend. But it mm-hmm. does help me know, okay, when we get there, I don't need to say all the things I've ever thought about this chapter of the Bible. But I do want to make sure we talk about this, because I think this was the main point of the chapter. So regardless of anything else we read or don't read or say or don't say, I want to make sure we know that God saw Hagar. That was one that we just read, you know, something like that. So that's helpful for me, even in those kind of sub points, or like we said with, you know, rooted this past time, there was, there was so much to talk about with the history Mm -hmm. and nobody would remember all the things. So it helped us to narrow in and say what is most important when we survey all this. Yeah. So I do think it's applicable. I think it's worth practicing and knowing for anyone who is teaching in any capacity, not just if you're preaching on a stage. Yeah. That's great. All right, we are at 58 minutes. Anything, final thoughts you guys want to say, things we didn't get to? I just say if you want to grow in this, just practice it. I mean, like you said, like mm-hmm. just, you know, like take the focal passage that is either going to be preached on Sunday or was preached and just play around with it. Like how would you preach this? How would you break it down, you know, if you were teaching it in some way? Just practice it. Group conversation. Mm-hmm. Like if you have an opportunity to lead a group conversation at some point, then play around with it. Ask if you can lead a group conversation at some point. If you're meeting up with, just practice it. You know, like that's that's the best way to do it. You know, Michael and, I mean, Michael still, str- I still struggle with it too. And Michael who preaches like most weeks, <laughs> I know like, still like beating his head against the wall. It, it It's not like you have to, if it's not easy for you, it doesn't mean that you're not meant to do it or that it's, you're doing it wrong. Like it's, to your point, it's toil, it's hard work, you know? And so, yeah, just just practice it. That's so good. People start playing guitar. Man, this is tough. I don't think it, I mean, it's, it's just really tough. Yeah. Like, I, I think I would say three words. Observe. And people, um, man, Christians read their Bibles. Like, that. you should. Whatever. 
Um, and, and most of us, we might stop at the observation piece. Mm-hmm. You, you read something, you, you saw it, and then you close it up and throw a prayer out and then, you know, <laughs> you right out the door. Like, that's normal, I think. Yeah. Um, try to maybe write what, write what you observed. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be, I don't mean like restate it. I just mean, a oh, big idea. And, and that shifts you into the, like the declare piece. Mm-hmm. Declare it yeah. in words. Mm-hmm. And then you'll be like, okay, you'll have like this long sentence and, ah, Make that a little shorter. Declare it yeah. simpler. Like, that would be how you would maybe help with the main idea. And then, uh, yeah, so so gleaning, like, would be hearing versus declaring. Like, say what it says. And then if you're feeling really, like, whatever, like, zealous, and you want to, like, kind of sub-point the thing, write out how you know that's what it says. Mm-hmm. And if you start to do that, you'll probably begin to see, like, oh, this yeah. is an out. This is, you're writing an exegetical outline of the text yeah right and then if you're feeling really zealous well how would you say that to someone else right Mm -hmm. and then if like well then then you have it like you have a talk there you you go yeah yeah Yeah. last thing i want to say is that if if you already read your bible and do this you might be a teacher if you have never done this before (laughs) but this conversation sounds fun and you can't wait to stop this podcast and go try it you might be a teacher yeah or if you just want to know more about this and you're even the slightest bit intrigued you might be a teacher and i would encourage you if you can to show up next month uh, when we talk about building tension to the at this teaching round table talk to michael talk to scott come talk to me um, the, the Holy Spirit has gifted people with the ability to teach the Word of God. And I love all your point because I still struggle with it. If it's hard, that doesn't mean you're not meant to do it. It just means that it takes a lot of work and practice. So I would just yeah. encourage you, someone else listening to this podcast has this gift. And I can't wait to meet you and talk to you about it and help equip you to bring it to the Village Church. So yeah. I'm going to take us out, Scott. Cool. Yeah, thanks, guys. Like uh, Kelly said, we're talking about building tension next month. Uh, thanks for hanging in there. It was a, I mean, we've only done, what, three of these? <laughs> I'm glad we were really refined and united, and we had a really good thing for this this, uh, podcast on unity. But thanks for listening. Hope it was helpful. Uh, We'll see you next time.